Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. I spent my commercial break doing two things. One, I had to very quickly look back at the 2002 World Series and look at what Barry Bonds did in that series. Blew my mind. Do you know he hit four home runs in that series? He reached base 21 of the 30 plate appearances that he had. 21 times he reached base. 30 plate appearances. Four home runs, 13 walks included in that. His on-base percentage was 700. That's stupid. That's just ridiculous. Second thing I did during the commercial break is I started uh, looking at Alex Molden's career, which I know we've had him on. We've talked about his career. But it's remarkable to me that a kid who really didn't grow up probably playing football until, you know, high school and got into it later, ends up as the 11th overall pick of the 96 NFL draft. Has a long career. Now he's got one kid in the NFL and another kid who, while we're doing this interview, will probably get a couple of scholarship offers. The world has changed a little bit, like, you know, and I think it's really interesting and probably an advantage for Alex Molden's children to have a dad who's been through it a little bit. But the game has changed a little bit to the point where, like, I think the parents are all kind of learning, you know, transfer portal, NIL, the recruiting process. Very different game. Alex Molden, former NFL defensive back, joining us now. How, How different are these recruitments you're seeing today versus what you went through? JC, let me tell you, it, it is it is so football man. Thanks for having me on the show on a beautiful Friday. I appreciate it. Um, man, the landscape is so different with not just the NIL, but the battle for you know the facilities, the coaches, the revolving door that comes along with it, and then also like what what relationships that these schools can provide that can help them, you know, have success when they're done playing ball or whatever sport. It's like all these different things that you have to take into a, into account. And it, and it cannot just be how much money they can get from their name, image, and likeness. So, it, man, it, it's a tough world, man. It's a tough world. But it's a, I'm glad it is the way that it is that these, these athletes are able to you know, make money off of their their name and their image and their likeness. But, you know, with that, there's a lot of curveballs that, that come along the way. It, yeah, and you've, you know, you have all, you've done a lot of personal development and leadership coaching, and you've now, I think, kind of pivoted into helping young people sort of navigate that process, that transition maybe from high school to college or maybe even when they're in college trying to find their own path. And you kind of went through that. You went through it, you know, with Elijah, who ended up at Washington. You're going through it a little bit now with another one of your kids, Josiah. And, you know, you'll probably go through it again later with uh, your youngest. Like, you know, but it's, it's changed even from Elijah to now, hasn't it? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. With with him, you know, he was already he was recruited highly. He got offered after his freshman year at Westland. And so, you know, we was looking out. We were always looking at, okay, Coach Peterson, he's going to be here for a while. I believe in him and, and what he's – you know how he develops his athletes not not just on the field but also preparing them for life in general so that was a big a big deal for us but now with you know these athletes now are are able to kind of form their own team you know because there's the 707 or the AAU they start to develop these bonds with these different guys who live in different parts of the of the country, and then they start to agree to all go to one school. Hmm. Not saying it's right or wrong, but it's different. It's totally different now. Where do you think kids pick that up? Is it the club sports scene, seven on seven? Are they watching NBA teams? Are, are kids learning that from someplace? My man, I, man, I think it's a t- like all of it, all of the above. They see the LeBron, they see what's happening with that. Social media is so huge, which it can be it, it can be helpful, but it can it can also hurt these athletes and the parents based on the character that they show um, out there, you know, with social media. But it's a it's a quick way to get noticed. If you are if you're a great athlete and you go to a, and you're in a small town, but you are you have these crazy stats and is, you show this crazy athleticism, that can be filmed put, you know, packaged correctly and then put out there so the world can see. And all it needs is one person, all it needs one John Canzano to repost that and then it can catch fire. And you can have tons of offers, you know, the next day. Not even the next day, the next couple of hours. So, yeah, it's different, man. I'm, you know, I I always talk, I talk to a lot of these coaches who are recruiting kids and they're all really good and they're all really impressive. And I always leave those conversations going, gosh, there are lots of right answers when it comes to making your choice. Like, I, I believe if, you know, obviously for let's take Elijah as an example, like, you know, he goes to Washington, it works out for him. He's in the NFL. It's been good. I think he would have been fine going to Stanford or Oregon or a lot of other places There there were lots of right answers. Like how do how do you drill down in a, in, you know, and how, what advice do you give kids who come to you now and say, Hey, uh, I have these offers in front of me, you know, and and they're almost overwhelmed by the uh, by the gravity of the decision. Yeah, so I mean, I would say number one, like just like you make any other um, decision, it has to be based on you know these these foundations. And one of the biggest ones, I think, when you're choosing the right school for you know for yourself, your son or daughter, whatever, you got to take into account the culture, right? Like, I know for me, when I was growing up from Colorado Springs, I was getting recruited by Tennessee. That was in the SEC, right? And I took a trip out there, and it was way different than my trip to University of Oregon or to even to CU. Like, it was it was different. Like, there was some dudes. I think that was involved. I, I didn't get involved, but I saw a couple of fights that was happening within the team, no. <laughs> Within the team, we went to a <laughs> went to a couple of parties, and I was like, "Man, these dudes—they on the same team, and they're about to fight!" Like, what? Right? So, the culture is a little bit different because these dudes, 
to come from the South, and for some of them, man, it's, it's NFL or bust. And so um, you just got to be careful of not just making your decision off of what, what um, you know, with, with NIL, how much money you're going to get. It has to be, like, based on either the, the, the culture, the coaching staff. Are they going to be there? Are they going to be there? Right? It can't just be about the cool uniforms anymore. It can't. Like, what type of alumni that that they have that can possibly help you kind of figure out, like, what else is there out there after football? So there's a lot of things that you gotta you got to take into account. It can't just be like the, 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 you know, the uniforms or they, they go to bowl games. So, yeah. Now, Alex Molden, our guest, first-round pick, 1996 NFL draft, the 11th pick overall, goes to the New Orleans Saints, the Chargers, the Lions after that. Um, you are doing a podcast now called The Scholarship Athlete. What are you doing with that podcast? Man, a scholarship athlete, I just get, got asked so many so many times over the years when I was training athletes and, you know, whether the parents or the kids, like how do they get recruited, right? We get – we fall in love with the, with the cats who have four and five stars. Like they're going to get offers. They're going to get looked at. They're going to have coaches, you know, banging down the door. But there's a lot of cats out there who don't have any stars but, you know, happen to – to be at the right place at the right time or be more um, proactive in terms of getting their information out there. So the the podcast is to give tips on not just like how to be proactive in your recruiting process, but how to, how to train, how to become a better athlete, a faster, more resilient athlete. You know, the things that you have to do in terms of like, man, yeah, you got to sleep, you got to eat right. You know, if, if you really want this thing called a scholarship, there is a certain character that you have to take on to 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 get there. So this this podcast, a lot of it is just solo episodes, but I do have from time to time, you know, some experts in the field of, you know, training or uh, physical therapy or even sleep and, and nutrition to help these, these athletes and their parents understand, like, this whole landscape and how to navigate it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of life coaching there and a lot of parents who don't know and there's a lot of people who don't know giving advice out there. So it's good to have somebody oh, who goodness. you know yeah, there's there's a lot of misinformation out there, isn't there? Don't dude, don't get me started, man. Whether it's from these different you know, there's recruiting uh sites that, you know, you pay a third party and they go out and do the recruiting for you. And I've talked to coaches in different sports, they don't want to hear from a third party. They want to. They don't want. They don't want to hear from mom and pops. They want to hear from the athlete. So yeah, there's a lot of misinformation out there, man. Alex Molden, our guest. Um, you watch the Niners and the Chiefs in the AFC and NFC Championship game. Let's let's start with Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, when you get a quarterback like that in a game, you played at that level. You saw greats in your era. What do you see Patrick Mahomes doing that the defenses are struggling with? It's scary that he – I put it like this. I loved the damn Marinos of the world. I did not like having to deal with the Michael Vick, who can be able to extend <laughs> plays, that can be able to maneuver and, you know, because we're built as DBs, as defenses, 
we're built on timing. Like, okay, this I only have to cover this world-class athlete for four, three to four seconds. It gets extremely hard when you have to cover that person for eight and nine. It gets because now, you know, because we're scripted in terms of like there are only so many routes they can run. But when you have a quarterback that can extend plays, now the route tree that's out the window. Now it's backyard football. So he makes them very difficult. And so you know when you do rush him, whether it's with four, five, or six, you have to. You have to. You can't create lanes because he'll hurt you. I noticed the Niners when they played them last time in the Super Bowl, just tried to keep Mahomes in the pocket. You know, it's not like they're not trying to sack him, but they seem to like him in the pocket rather than him freelancing. What's the strategy there from a defensive standpoint on when you come after him, how you disguise it, when you mix that up? What do you want to do to that guy? You. So you have to come. Because they're going to be watching film, right? They got your film. All 17 games, these coaches are going to be breaking, breaking down for, for two weeks. They're going to know who you are, wherever you are on the field. So you need to come at them. If you're typically blitz on third downs, you need to do it on first down. If you typically play zone on, first, on second down, you need, to come, you need to come with different things. But – you still have to – because you don't want to be changing your identity, right? You just have to be very smart, and the biggest, the, the, the biggest word is discipline. You cannot give him extra plays like the Baltimore Ravens did where you get – in a critical moment, you give him an extra 15 yards because it's a 15-yard penalty because you can't control your, your emotions or you tackle him around the head or you do stupid things that can cost your team. So – you have to be very smart. You got to be disciplined, and from time to time, you have to bring pressure. But it, it cannot be to get sacks. It has to be to get him and keep him in the pocket and just constrict him. How difficult is it in the heat of play to to not do something dumb that gets you 15 yards? Or did you have guys that just couldn't control their emotions you played alongside with, and you just you just couldn't comprehend? Like you know, dude, you can't hit him out of bounds. I, I, granted, you played in a little bit different era where you could put a you could put a shoulder pad on a quarterback, but but how hard is that in the heat of the battle to not draw that 15-yard penalty? It's one of those though, it's very it's it's not that difficult. It starts with the leadership. It starts with the coaching staff like that first this past Monday, that should have been the first the first conversation that's had within the team coming from the head coach. And then the second conversation, once you get you break from the team and they get down to your defense and offense, it has to be reiterated from that coach, the defense coordinator, offense coordinator. And then when you get into your position, it has to, it has to be like that trickle-down approach. You cannot shoot yourself in the foot. And then after all that, now it has to be the players taking ownership and say, hey, we cannot do these different things. We can't do it. It's, it's, it's too important. The season is too long for you to hurt your team with one second you start to think of yourself and you think of your, or you don't, I should say, you lack. You don't think, and you just let emotions just take control. You cannot do that. So it starts from the top, man, and it has to, continue to be, continually be reiterated from the coaching staff and the players. 
Alex Molden, former NFL defensive back with us. He's got a podcast, The Scholarship Athlete. Encourage you to check it out. You're watching the Detroit Lions 49ers NFC Championship game. You spent a little time with the Lions, but uh, what were you thinking as the Niners are coming back in the second half? It was that moment in the second half. And really, when that when that player in the first half, when he started waving goodbye, yeah, yes. are you kidding me? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? <laughs> so it's like when it started happening in the second half, and they started getting turnovers, and then they started scoring, and then they started getting stops. It's like, oh, my God, no, not again. No, not again. Momentum shift, right? It happens. It, the shift of momentum is so huge in sports. I think that's why a lot of people are drawn towards sports. You're never out of it. And so it's like you, whether it's home, away, whatever, man, you cannot – Calling timeouts, doing stupid stuff, protecting the ball, all those things you just you have to do. And to see it come, I mean, man, kudos to the Niners, man. And and I think what it, what it does, it gives them a sense that they're never out of it. So if I was betting, if I was betting my money, I'll bet on the Niners. If I you bet like, your money, yeah. John, I, I'll bet on the Chiefs. <laughs> Why do you like so you like the Niners because of that belief and I I kind of here's the other thing Alex like they haven't played well and they're in the Super Bowl and I'm going you know that normally if you don't play well you go home they must be that good yeah. they're that good and then their quarterback Purdy I mean people are are they're not paying attention to him he has the most important position on the field he's playing quarterback. And their defense, they have a running game. They have a, a back that can hurt you in so many different ways. And then him now being able to, to see openings and use his legs, I mean, man, I, I would not be surprised if they end up winning. I, I mean, they're just they're, – they're hitting the mark. They're hitting um, their stride when they're supposed to. You're supposed to be playing your best ball towards the end of the year. And I, I think, man, they're, they're, I think they're due. The, a guy like Debo Samuel, he's like a running back split out as a receiver. I'd have to think that Alex Molden, the player, would not have had fun tackling Debo Samuel. But, you know, you would want to be on Ayuk, right? They put you on the other side of the field. Um, what do you see Debo doing? And what does he do to a defensive backfield when he's lined up out there? It's just so many. First of all, he's a, he's a thick dude, right? He's thick. He has some speed and he plays with attitude, and he's smart. So he's not a he's not a young guy. He's a veteran. So I think with him, you have to get your hands on him. You have to get your hands on him and make it disruptive. Receive so you want to do what the opposite of what receivers like. Receivers like to run in different you know spaces and not be touched. So you have to be physical with them. But then you know you, they can move them over to slot. They put them. Um, you know, and put them in the backfield. It makes it it makes it tough, but you just got to have a game plan and know where he is and know the type of situations they want to put him in for them to have success. So you just you know between him, you got the other receiver who makes some some acrobatic catches and can take the what they say they take the take the top off of a defense. You know, you just you, you have Tied to take in. away yeah. things that they love. Yes.
Yeah, Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the game. I mean, they got a you know their offensive line is strong and deep. I mean, it's man, it's gonna be fun. All right, give us an idea. You've played in big games. These guys that are preparing, there's two weeks here. Bunch of distractions. Of course, the Chiefs have been here before. They know how to handle it. The Niners were there a couple years ago. They know most of those guys know how to handle it. But what is the uh, big game preparation? You know, as a player, when do you start locking in if you have two weeks to get to a game? Typically, like the first week, like once you once you touch down there, and you, the media and you know the, the space is different. Like, there's going to be some distractions. So, but once you touch down and then you get, like, after media day, then I think you start, the things start to tighten up. Like, the bolts, you start to really lock in. You should already be locked in, but just understanding, like, you can't do the other stuff that, you know, your homeboys are going to be doing while they're in Vegas. All right, so, um, you know, everything is, you know, they're starting to tighten everything up. But once you get there, now it's a totally different story. That's what I've heard because your boy ain't never played in the Super Bowl, so it's just <laughs> what I've heard. <laughs> what I what I've heard. That's that's how you got to approach it. Yeah, look, and I know too that you know, there's a lot of guys who play for a long time and never get there. You know, what would it have meant to you to get there to get to a Super Bowl? Oh my goodness! Like it's one of those things that you you dream of, right? I've dreamed of playing in the Rose Bowl. That was a dream. Playing in the Super Bowl was just like something that I don't – is so far out there because there's so many things that you have to, to do. You have to have the right, the right quarterback, the right coaching staff, the right, you know, connection between the players, the discipline that it takes, and, and then the health. You've got to be healthy. So, um, man, to, to, to even play in it, let alone win it, man, that's something that – you can turn it on 50 years from now, and there's going to be a, you know, you can be able to see, you know, yourself, or you can show your, your, grand, your grandkids that what you did back in the day. It's pretty cool, man. Alex Molden, check out his podcast, Scholarship Athlete. Follow him on the socials and hear him occasionally on this show. I, I wish you the best, man. I appreciate you giving us your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much, JC, man. I'm um, appreciate you. Love love the show. Um, keep doing what you're doing, man. Thank you, my friend. All right, Alex Molden, there he is. Uh, you know, share that interview with somebody who is a high school or middle school kid or a parent who's got a kid. I mean, I just think he's such a terrific resource. And also, you know, he, uh, you know, frankly, is you know, he's got the Shark Effect podcast as well, and I think he's got a lot of life wisdom to share being an athlete who has transitioned into being a dad and being a coach and being a uh, a teacher and a mentor to a lot of people out there. Leave it here. Punch It Audio is coming up. Anna will be here for the 5 at 5. All of that's still ahead. I loved having Alex Molden on the show. A lot of life experience. If you missed that interview, grab a podcast. Two really strong interviews on the show today. Uh, Joe Madden joined us in hour one two-time World Series champion, manager of the Chicago Cubs, among other teams, guy who's been around baseball. We talked a little bit about uh, baseball to Portland and a lot about Joe Madden's career and his experiences. Alex Molden joined us in Hour 2, former NFL defensive back, talking about the Super Bowl. He sounds like he likes the Niners. I'm not going to hate that. 
Uh, but I think it's going to be a great game, and I think it's going to be a little higher scoring than people are expecting. I like the over. Some points in this game. Some up and down. We'll see what happens. Uh, Anna is here. How you doing? What's going on? Good. Happy Friday. Is it Friday? Yeah. It is. What happens? Like, do you have a rhythm to your week? Most people do. Uh-huh. I don't. I kind of work a weird schedule. Yeah. Saturday's a work day because there's always games and there's, you know, Sunday's a work day because it's a good writing day. And I, I write at johnconzano.com on Sunday. So um, the week's different for me. So what's the rhythm of the week like for you? It's just really busy in the mornings, as anybody with uh, kids knows. And so I look forward to the weekend when there is not a 5.40 a.m. alarm set to get up and make lunches. Yeah, by the way, can you uh, not set the 5.40 alarm? What? That would help me out a little bit. <laughs> you know, the other day you had the alarm, it went off, and it was full blast. Yeah. And I, and I don't like, what's the song you have? That plays as your alarm? It's called Beautiful Day. Yeah, but I've come to hate the song. I know. Because it signals wake up. (laughs) And (laughs) and I don't. Sometimes I have the alarm turned on too high. Just put on a buzzer like everybody else. No, I know. I hate a buzzer. Uh, I can't stand a buzzer. Well, we're going to play some punch it audio. Uh, feel free to chime in here. Oh, okay? I can't wait. But uh, Judah's going to cue it up, and away we go. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Fish Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio, presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. I'm going to start in Seattle, where the Seahawks have hired Mike McDonald to be their coach. McDonald talking on Seattle Sports Radio about what kind of defense he wants to play. Punch it. Well, you're always trying to you're always trying to dictate terms as as best as you can to the offense, and that's easier said than done because the offense is trying to do the same thing to you. So there's a little bit of a back and forth to that. Um, and I think one of the principles of the organization as it's at in, in Baltimore is we want to be aggressive and we want to be pushing the envelope. And so how do you do that uh, while, you know, taking, you know, having being smart with the resources that you're allocating? You know, you want to have you want to have maximal return for minimal investment. I mean, it's easy to blitz zero every snap if you want and, and you can apply pressure that way. But you can also do it mentally and um, by how you play. Um, and the things you're presenting to the offense, because they got a lot of stuff going on over there too. Right. And um, you know, so obviously those guys are pros, and there's a lot of great coaches out there. But if you can apply pressure over games, you know that's that's hard to to do consistently for 60 minutes. There's Mike McDonald. He's going to need players. Certainly had the players in the scheme in Baltimore, where they gave up just an average of 16 and a half points a game this season. He'll be the head coach. There's some reports out there that former Washington Huskies offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb could be the offensive coordinator under Mike McDonald. Here's Andy Staples talking about that. Punch it. Where should the concern level be if you're an Alabama fan on Ryan Grubb if he does leave and go to Seattle? High. It should be high. It should be high if he leaves. It should be high that he might leave because it sounds like Mike McDonald would like to hire him in Seattle. So uh, that's 
yeah, I mean, Mike uh, Ryan Grubb is very important to what Kalen DeBoer does. Now, they haven't always been together. There have been times when they've been, they've been apart, but Ryan Grubb is an excellent play caller. He makes it very easy for Kalen DeBoer to administrate, and that would put DeBoer in a situation where he's got to he's got to hire a play caller, and that makes it pretty interesting. That that makes it a much tougher situation than it would have been. It's sort of like. You know, Sharon Moore taking over at Michigan. You're like, as long as they keep the strength coach, they're going to be fine. And then the strength coach leaves. <laughs> Ryan Grubb sounds like he's the guy in. Is it anything official yet, Judah, with the Seahawks? But multiple reports saying he could, might be. Is he 100%? Is he 100%? Is he not? Is he 98%? What are you hearing? <laughs> I think he's the favorite. I, I don't think it's official. There's the passing game coordinator with the Detroit Lions, who I know was also part of the interview process. I don't know. Uh, I'm blanking on his name, but uh, Ing Ingstrom. Ing- yes, Ingstrom, yes. something like that. Right. Yeah. So one of the the passing game coordinators to to Ben Johnson. Uh, but just the idea of Ryan Grubb possibly going from Seattle to Tuscaloosa back to Seattle to the NFL, no less, with a new head coach is kind of a, a fun to think about. But that would leave Bama in a bit of a precarious position. Tanner Ingstrom is the uh, passing game coordinator in Detroit. He is supposed to be the succession plan uh, at offensive coordinator. Uh, he's got some experience with Jim Harbaugh as well. But Ryan Grubb uh, feels ready-made for this. And... Here's the other thing that I just jumped into my head. I mean, we're just seeing college coaches now who are looking around at NIL and the transfer portal, no collective bargaining agreement, no contracts, nothing to keep your quarterback in place. It's uh, The ground is, the sands are shifting beneath their feet, so to speak, when you're in the college game. And we're seeing college coaches who are head coaches who are throwing in the towel, Nick Saban, David Shaw, Chris Peterson, Boston College's coach, Chip Kelly may be interviewing for the Washington Commanders offensive coordinator. I think we're seeing college coaches vote loudly that, you know, this this thing uh, that is college sports doesn't feel safe to them anymore. So Ryan Grubb, he may go to Tuscaloosa, look around and go, you know what, this doesn't look any more stable than anywhere else in college football. Would he choose the Seahawks and a lifestyle upgrade probably for his family in Seattle? Or does he want to be a head coach in college football? I don't know. But I think we're about to find out, and I think he's going to vote when he gets offered this job, and I will not be surprised if he is the offensive coordinator of your Seahawks. The the scheme would be interesting. They just game-planned for that Michigan defense where Mike McDonald kind of constructed that Michigan scheme a couple years ago before handing it off to Jesse Minter. So there's a lot of familiarity between that McDonald defensive scheme and then Grubb's offensive game plan for that national title game they it could be a little iron sharpening iron in that coaching room as well if he chooses the seahawks do they move up in the draft and select michael Penix jr <laughs> so it begins why not I, why not I, I just have to wonder they're at 16 right they might be able to get him there i don't they know might. It, it'll be interesting or do you grab uh do you grab do you go on defense because you got a defensive head coach keep an eye on that Super Bowl time, Golden Joe Montana quarterbacked both the 49ers and the Chiefs, although he really is the 49ers quarterback. He was asked about Brock Purdy on the Pat McAfee show. Here's Golden Joe. Punch it. I think the thing I see 
is something that I think I figured out early on in my career was that what the offense is about, right? It wasn't about me. It was about getting the ball to the people who knew what to do with it because all I, I'm the mailman. I'm a, this doesn't belong to me. I want to get it to somebody that knows how to run, knows how to catch. And we had, especially late in my career, when you get guys like Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Brent Jones, Roger Craig, um, on down the line, all you got to do is get the ball to them. And and I think if you look at the weapons that Rock's working with, he's figured that offense out. He understands what his position is. He doesn't try to make a big play. He knows when that chance will come and when he needs to do it. But in most cases, it's okay to punt. Yeah, it, look, I, I see the same thing, some of the same things, but it's nice to hear it from you know a pro football Hall of Famer. I, I do see Brock Purdy, though, taking some chances. He took one deep shot down the field. Maybe it was an ill-advised throw, and it ends up in a big 50-yard completion to Brandon Ayuk. You see him situationally taking a risk. But, you know, Joe Montana's right. You know, you can call you can call Brock Purdy a system guy. People call Joe Montana a system guy. He was in the West Coast offense. People led with that early in his career, and they only later talked about him as being great after he won multiple, you know, Super Bowls and was, uh, you know, playing at a Pro Football Hall of Fame le- level. Meanwhile, Andy Reid talking about the 49ers offense, and he's he's leading with Christian McCaffrey. Punch it. Yeah, sure. Kyle's one of the most creative guys in the league. You knew he's going to find find ways to uh, maximize him, uh, the different tools that he has. McCaffrey's got phenomenal tools. Uh, can catch, block. Uh, run i mean he does it all and kyle's exploited even more than what it had been before mccaffrey's the 49ers offensive mvp and probably their team mvp when he runs the ball and they use him in all the ways they use him it opens everything else up we talk about debo samuel we talk about george kittle but we shouldn't do that before talking about christian mccaffrey meanwhile in basketball oregon was at usc last night Jackson Shellstad, the pride of West Lynn High School, led all scorers with 20. Punch it. He struggled against UCLA the other night, and Jackson Shellstad, who had 21 against SC up in Eugene, comes back and answers with a triple. By the pressing defense. Kuznard missed it. The tip, though, good by <laughs> Shellstad. Smallest guy in the court. Please, without water, you can't survive. Really? And we will survive. Here's another basket for Shellstead as he is off to a tremendous start. He averages 12 points per game. I love the way this guy plays. Love the way he plays it without water. <laughs> you can't survive. How about that, Anna? Oh, that's so random. Just throwing in a little bit of science in the <laughs> middle of the broadcast. You know? At least he's not talking about going up to the hot springs like he sometimes does. I don't mind that. You know? Uh, skinny dipping in the hot springs. Oh, you know, <laughs> Bill Walton. Um, look, uh, Jackson Shellstad played a really important and key role for Oregon when they were without Infali Dante and and uh, Biddle early in the year. And it was it's interesting to me as Nate Biddle and Dante have come back to see how Dana Alban's trying to get Jackson Shellstad involved, but can't quite you know, get him in rhythm in the way that he was earlier in the year. And I think it really, really stood out in the Arizona game the other night, last weekend, at home at Matthew Knight Arena. Like, Shellstead was a non-factor, and it wasn't his fault. I just think Oregon was struggling 
Like how, you know, where, what is his role? You know, are you, are you playing outside in, inside out? Like, you, you know, I just think they're trying to figure out who they are. Last night, Biddle can't go. So you're without him all of a sudden. And it was no surprise to me that Jackson Shellstead picked up the slack. I think if Oregon's going to have a good year, and I think they still can, I think Jackson Shellstead has to play this kind of role. And I think Dana Altman, he's smart. He's a smarter basketball person than all of us. I think he'll figure that out. Leave it here. You got the We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.